Iowa everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brands talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to Firmly Entrenched on a Thursday from the Channel Seed Studios. I'm Jake Brand with Local 5 joining you from Ankeny. Nick Oson, we find him in Ann Arbor. That's right. Michigan, tough loss for your Badgers last yeah, night. Yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> Nick, how how are you doing, my friend? It's Super Bowl week. I am great. You know, we have been pumped for this show for a long time. Obviously, the Super Bowl is always a blast to talk about. We've got some major Big 12 ties in this game. Of course, a huge Iowa State one. And... Some good hoops to talk about too, Jake. I've been looking forward to that and maybe a little pop culture at the end today too. Oh, certainly some pop culture (laughs) at the end. Coming up on today's show, we're going to react to Iowa State's win over Texas on Tuesday night. We're going to look ahead to the rubber match. I guess, no, not a rubber match, just the rematch with Mm -hmm. TCU. Then we're going to preview our Super Bowl and close it with a debate about the biggest lightning rod in sports that is Taylor <laughs> Swift. I can't wait. I'm going to play the heel. I, I'm excited. You play it well, man. You, you really do. That's not my role, but <laughs> you take it on. It's pretty good. As always, we'd like to thank Heartland Flags and Gifts, title sponsor of our show. If you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a 49ers fan, you can go in store in 37, 19 Southwest 9th. Waste no time flying your flag high and proud. Or you can get it shipped to you anywhere in the United States for free. They've got the best products in the country as far as flags go. Iowa State beats Texas 70 to 65. It was a game that Iowa State dominated the first half, played I think their best half of basketball yeah. this season. Uh, Texas came back a little bit, which is to be expected on the road. My biggest takeaway from this game was that it reinforced the idea that as Taman Lipsy goes, Iowa State goes. I think it was his best game of Big 12 play. 12 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals. And I'd be a fool to just say that his box score shows his impact because that doesn't even show a quarter of the impact that he had, even though that's a pretty dang solid box score. I think it was his best game of the Big 12 season. He'd obviously been injured the TCU game. Hasn't been 100% since that, but... TJ Altsberger said post game that we challenged Taman to be better because we felt like he hadn't been playing at his best, which I, I think it's really bold to, to go out on the radio and say that about your leader. And granted, it's, it's a little easier to say that after he has <laughs> the type of game that he did have. But 
I couldn't help but think back to the Texas Tech game last year. Iowa State on the road, up 20 in the second half. Total collapse. When Tech finished last in the Big 12, blow the game. And it it was a team effort, but it was also probably Lipsy's roughest moment of his freshman year. A lot of turnovers. And he took that loss really hard. I remember speaking about that specifically. Pretty much a full year from now, Similar situation, almost a 20-point lead. Texas comes back. This time, Lipsy ices the game. He was incredible. And, like, it, it's no doubt it's been a good stretch of basketball for Iowa State. You, you beat Kansas. You beat Houston. You win at TCU. They've been a good team with Lipsy either out or at 70%. But they are a great team when Lipsy is at his best. Yeah, I think, you know, that's one of my biggest takeaways too, Jake. Obviously, the box score itself, it is really, really good, especially five assists, four steals. I mean, that's impeccable. But I'll go off of, you know, I think Taman continues to show what he means to this team on and off the floor in terms of obviously the stats, like you mentioned, but leadership. I respect TJ for mentioning something like that. And I think it shows the relationship that those two have. I mean, they are incredibly close which i think is just a really important thing obviously in this conference especially for your lead guard and your head coach and another thing that that kind of jumped out to me is you know maybe a little bit deeper into the numbers in terms of three-point shooting neither team was great especially texas but the formula for iowa state is still so clear it is just to make the opponent so uncomfortable just like in year one, now there is more offensive talent. You've got a Taman Lipsy. Gilbert is just phenomenal at times. Of course, Milan and several other guys. But Texas at home looked absolutely out of sorts, whether it was turnovers, whether it was poor shooting, obviously the major deficit. I just think it's so impressive that even though they've continued to build a little bit, I, I don't think you'd call Iowa State in elite offensive team yet, but they've certainly grown. They have a couple really good to great pieces on that side. And yet the defense has not taken a step back. And I just feel that that's so important kind of within the foundation of, you know, coach Otzelberger's program. I think it's really important to stick to that. And in my eyes, they made some pretty good players for Texas just completely have no impact on this game. Yeah. That, That was a good matchup. Maybe not on paper by the numbers, but if you just look, I mean, Max Acemas looked, made Damon Lipsy look massive. I couldn't help but think that the entire game, and then it's not like Terry's Hunter is is huge either. So that's a really small backcourt. Whereas I, we saw what Tyrese can do defensively when he was at Iowa State. He was a really good defender. But when your counterparts in the backcourt are Isaiah Brockington and Gabe Kalisher, it's a little easier to be that small point guard on the defensive end. Same, I mean, same thing goes for Taman Lipsy. Taman is incredible defensively. There's no doubt that he benefits from other... That's just how Iowa State's defense work. So it no doubt that it was a good matchup for Iowa State. 
I want to talk about the blown leads and if it's a cause for concern or not. In this game specifically, I think there were two roots to that lead dwindling. The first one, I think it's just the missed bunnies. They're all three Iowa State bigs are guilty of this because in the last 10 minutes specifically, I can recall four missed layups that should have between 90 to 95% success rates that didn't go in. That could have made it a lot tougher for Texas to come back as yep. a whole between Trey King, Rob Jones, and Hassan Ward. Those guys were eight of 22 in the game. So that that's just not going to cut it in most instances at home on the road on a neutral floor. The other end of it, Dylan DeSue just went nuclear and it's tough to nitpick that there were, there were a couple shots where they probably could have closed out maybe a half second sooner, but he just became the best player on the floor for 10 minutes and wasn't missing. So I, you combine that perfect storm with everything regressing to the mean it just it made for a closer game, but what what I wonder, Nick, and I know you want to touch on this, is it a pattern, especially away from Hilton Coliseum, to watch these Iowa State fifteen plus point leads dwindle down? Yeah, you know, just not even playing devil's advocate, but just to kind of point out because I know that you're very consistent, Jacob maybe not even saying the team is perfect by any means, even when they are rolling and picking up massive wins. I think it's a potential flaw. I think we've seen some areas of it potentially be a pattern. I, I think of, you know, the early season tournament, obviously the Texas A&M game, KU made it super close late. That was a home game, uh, nearly blowing this one at Texas, but even the K-State game, too. Yeah, yep, that one, that one too, and that was a home game. So I, I do think it is a potential flaw, but I think what I then shift to is the team is just so mentally tough and, and I do think resilient that even when those collapses may happen, they still are winning 75 80% of those games. And in the Big 12, you're not going to go – 16 and two, 17 and one. So a couple losses are going to come. The fact that they're not losing those games, I think speaks to good coaching, obviously in-game coaching from TJ and the entire staff, a veteran point guard. And I use that, you know, with quotes, obviously just a sophomore, but he certainly plays like one. I think that the way Gilbert, you know, there have been not highs and lows, but certainly games where he scores more than others that happens with about anybody but the way he has translated pretty easily to the Big 12, I think has been really impressive. And then outside of a tough shooting night from the bigs, other guys still do enough. Kurt Jones, Milan, who we've talked about a ton on this show, there are just more pieces that I think when this team is humming along, I think a couple guys should deserve more credit. And I'll say this, our potential coach of the year in the conference take on TJ Otzelberger, 
That's it's looking, looking pretty smart this week. Yeah, we that's will looking see good. what happens, but there is a geez, I would put that at close to 50% right now because not only are they obviously having a great season, but he was not picked and they were not picked to finish in the top two, three, or four this year. They're picked eighth, actually. Yeah. Believe it or not. Which I want to go I, back. We thought was too low. We both did, but yeah. I want to go back to the blown leads conversation. And this is a theory that I just kind of thought of in my head while you were talking. I want to compare the basketball team to the football team on for mostly the defensive end. So John Haycock, he goes out there, treats it like it's a five round fight first round, maybe trading some jabs, but mostly he's just feeling out the opponent, see where he can attack later on. So that's where sometimes you'll see the Iowa state defense get off to a slower start, maybe give up 10 points in the first quarter then they kind of lock down from there. Whereas the Iowa State defense wastes no time. That first five minutes on the defensive end, they are so intense. I almost wonder if it is almost always catching the other team by such surprise Yeah, where we see these 10, 12 turnover first halves and then the other team regresses to the mean maybe adjust to that pressure a little bit better. The coach finally gets to their players. You guys just hold on to the ball strong, watch where you're passing. And, and then just throughout the course of the game, maybe it, it evens out a little bit. There's probably some merit to that. Without question. I, I don't remember exactly Jake in my first year, year and a half, if it was, Iowa State side, like TJ and some of the players or opponents, maybe a little bit of both, but there's no question that there's merit to that because I I do believe it was other teams would kind of mention you can't necessarily replicate that type of thing in your own practices just because obviously Iowa State, just their scheme is different, but their personnel, their physicality, their intensity. I mean, it is still a defense-oriented program even though they have added a couple, I would argue, elite offensive pieces, certainly in Milan, and I would put KG up there too. But I think that's a great point, and I think it's 1,000% accurate because I know for a fact people have said that. I believe it was a couple players on Iowa State side when I heard that. I think it was like Trey, Gabe, and potentially Rob Jones too, saying like, yeah, you can practice. You know, Obviously, other teams have talent. They're really good. But nobody kind of attacks, blitzes, brings a physicality from one through five like Iowa State does in the first 30 seconds of a game. Yeah, you you combine that with the obvious improvement on the offensive side of the ball. And the Cyclones are legit Big 12 title contenders. I feel pretty mm-hmm. comfortable saying that now standing at six and three after already playing the toughest conference strength of schedule to date. And I know, I know we had this conversation on the show that kind of that first nine was going to be the tougher stretch. Whereas the back nine, I guess you can say eases up. There's not really an ease up at all in this 
in this conference. There might be a, a two, three game stretch ease up, but it's not like one half the schedule is easy. One's hard. No, I don't want to really say that, but there's a caveat. Iowa state has been bad in February under TJ Altsberger in two years. And I think there's a few different reasons for that, but nonetheless, six and 10 overall, and just three and five at Hilton Coliseum. The reasons for that, I think part of it was the first two years, there just was not a lot of talent. It was all junkyard dog. And I I would imagine it just kind of wore the team down. Because you weren't playing with a bunch of depth and you were playing such a grueling style of basketball. And the other, I kind of what we just talked about, it might get easier to play Iowa State the second time if you know what's coming from a physical standpoint. So Iowa State does have to prove it in February and not give away home games that you should have. Yeah, Jake, I think that's a really good point to bring up. I think it is those things that you mentioned, but I can tell you from being around the team plenty those last couple Februarys, especially that first year. Oh, it was it, bad. I it, mean, they were going to miss the tournament at one point. It was also, yeah, a point of, yeah, they were. It was also a point of fatigue, I think. Yep. Because the depth wasn't there. The style of play needed to win. I mean, TJ would say that himself was so predicated on the defensive end and getting physical and being intense and forcing turnovers. Guys got tired. I mean, whether you're talking about Big 12, Big 10, the Valley, ACC, like conference season, guys get tired. It's a grind with everything that has to be balanced. And that style of play certainly led to it now. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm not surprised we're talking about this just because I think we've both been pretty consistently high on this team coming in. Now they have the blend of great coaching. They already had that the last few years. A foundation for the program. This is now year three of that at least. And talent on both ends. I think it's – do I think Iowa State is the best team in the country? No. Do I think they're one of the toughest to beat any night? I really do because you can't replicate some of that. Plus, they just get you out of your own comfort zone. So when guys like Milan or KG or Jones off the bench are hitting shots, I would give them an 80% probability to win just about any game when all those things are going correct. I'll add all that's correct. And I just, I don't think the last two years you had a Demarion Watson and Pavletsky. I think it just kind of cut off at seven. Or even you talk the bigs. You really just had, (laughs) if Robert Oshun got in foul trouble, that was really it. So you add an extra big, and then you've got the Watson, and you've got the Pavletsky. It, It just adds a lot of depth. And I think that bodes really well. I'll say Houston is still the favorite. They absolutely should be. But ISU has every chance 
they want to get a share. They control that. You defend Hilton and steal two, three road games, the path is there to have at least a share of your first Big 12 title in over 20 years. Just, I just want to add, you know, kind of before we do a little preview chat as well, I love the point on Watson. I'm glad you brought it up because I was thinking about it last night as I was kind of wrapping up other stuff, doing some prep. Man, he just seems like a guy that just loves and embraces his role mm-hmm. and just being a part of this unit. So I, I think there's something to be said about that. I know he's very well liked among the staff and players, certainly from when I was there. And then just as you talked about kind of the Big 12 conference and potentially grabbing a share. I don't know if Bill Self has the magic rabbit in the hat this I year, mean, Jake. They've they've played all of their easiest road games. Yeah. So far. I mean like everything I don't, everything the rest of the way is tougher than what they've played other than at Hilton Coliseum. I mean you they're gonna have to work magic to do it. Really be looking at a seven loss losses in the conference for Kansas. I mean, it's very feasible. Like you just mentioned, and that's something I can't remember. And we just don't see often. And do I think that's on bill self? Not necessarily. I mean, the, the depth isn't there, but a couple of their roster moves, I guess, lack thereof in the seat in the off season certainly made me bad. an eye. I think obviously not having Morris, because of, you know, off the court issues, I think that has hurt them, but the depth just hasn't been there. And so I I just feel like that adds to what you're saying, Jake. Yeah. ISU Houston, maybe one of these newer teams late, but it's a really good chance right now. They've done it. They've done it before when we've said, I don't know if there's any chance they can do it, but they've got their work cut out for them when they've already lost at Central Florida, at West Virginia. They've already played Oklahoma State. They've lost at K-State, who I think is probably the worst team in the conference. So I'm kidding, but they're down there. So they've got their work cut out for them. Before we talk TCU, we'd like to give away another winner to the Kane Brown concert at Wells Fargo Arena. It is Bailey Shaw. Congratulations, Bailey. You've won two tickets to the concert and $50 worth of dinner on Iowa Everywhere. Our lovely producer, Aiden Wyatt, will reach out to you with more details. Congratulations to Bailey Shaw. While you're there, maybe grab yourself a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon. Distilled at Lonely Oak Distillery in early Iowa. If you can't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite liquor or grocery store, ask for it by name. Again, it's aged, distilled, bottled in Iowa for Iowans. We got this cool Iowa Everywhere branded bottle. That really is cool. It's it's delicious. It's a and congratulations. I poured myself a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon after the game on Tuesday and realized that I never have to watch the atrocious 
product of Longhorn Network ever again. Screw yeah. that. Maybe Orange the down. biggest win for you and, and Cyclones fans that night. And again, congratulations to our winner. As we learned last week, just don't ask me to name one of Kane Brown's songs. Yeah, that's your homework for next week. <laughs> we'll we'll get you on some Kane Brown. I'm getting into a little country though. Zach Bryan. And oh, yeah. a lot of his fans in Iowa. And I've been impressed with what I heard this week driving. Just had to mention for some of those country music fans in the great state of Iowa. He's good. He's a poke. He's an he's an Oklahoma State guy. So he's he's not having a fun basketball season right now. No. Let's talk TCU. It's a rematch. Teams already played about what three weeks ago. It was the game Iowa State didn't have Tame and Lipsy. Still took care of business. This is a sneaky, sneaky tough game. It's always tough playing a team a second time in this league, I think it's tougher when you've already beat them. So this team oh, yeah. comes in wanting revenge. And then again, Iowa State's riding high, winning four of their last five. Yep. TCU coming off of a home loss and a week off to prepare for this game. It's a, it's a tricky spot. I think... I agree with your assessment, and and I'll also say I think it's even a little bit more than a sneaky tough game just because I personally think TCU has one of the best rosters in the league. Like, there was a reason. And one of the best coaches. Yeah, there was a reason that game against Iowa State didn't necessarily surprise me like crazy that Iowa State won, but if I recall, that was a game that ISU was up huge. Correct. And just – to the point that TCU could get behind like that. I mean, their, their guard slash wing talent, I think is really, really impressive. They're old as we know, which generally translates to this next month and a half. They've got a good coach. that's obviously won at some tough places to win in hoops. And again, a note, Jake, absolutely that I had written down too. That's a lot of time to prepare. And they're a team that I actually do think is maybe not Iowa State's level of depth, but fairly deep, uh, specifically at guards. I mean, they've got four or five that can get you, what, 12 to 14 any night, I would really say. Nelson has kind of been up and down, but he exploded for a 30-point game last week. I think that everybody knows their role on that team, the tournament team. And it's in a spot, like you mentioned, with some of those February troubles, Iowa State, can't get complacent, can't start looking ahead. It's not something they ever really do. But like you mentioned, a a tough game and a tough spot potentially for the host Cyclones. Not only can Iowa State not get complacent, the fans and specifically the students can't either. Because if you remember back to last year, three weeks in a row, you beat top 10 Texas, top 10 K-State, top 10 KU. It was arguably the best three-game stretch in Hilton Coliseum in my lifetime as far as atmospheres go. It was just unbelievable night in, night out. But then late January, February comes. Oklahoma State comes to town. It was a terrible atmosphere. Horrible. And they lost that game. It was... And I think there might be something to... You have a sellout 
unbelievable crowd. And then you come in, kind of a crowd that's asleep, not really awake for the game, just because it's not a name brand opponent, top 15 opponent. And that could affect the team a little bit as far as energy goes. So that is something to watch that could have played into the February struggles last year. Hopefully, hopefully it's not like that though. We'll see. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily will be. I mean, I'm obviously not there anymore, but when a team is starting to get national buzz and they have for a pretty consistent two, two and a half weeks, maybe. I think that Iowa State and that fan base specifically is always ready. They don't miss a beat. They don't miss a punch. And I think they'll be prepared. I think it'll be a good atmosphere. I obviously don't think it'll be like Kansas. But this is one that, you know, I feel is really just figured out between the lines. I wouldn't be shocked at all if TCU gets a lead early potentially early into that second half even. I mean, they're a good team that I do think possesses some mental toughness and mental fortitude, but I just feel like Iowa State depth, physicality, and again, it is at Hilton. Cyclones haven't lost there in a long time. Not sure what the spread will be, but I kind of see like a six or seven That's point That's what Ken Palm has. Oh, okay. Yeah. Promise I did not look ahead, but uh, yeah, I see like an Iowa State by six type of win uh, for this one this week. And then we're really getting into the home stretch, which is just a little bit crazy to think about already. Yeah. I think Iowa State will win. I don't think it's going to be pretty though. I think they'll win by four and I've got a bold prediction. Okay. Iowa State will not turn TCU over 27 times. (laughs) It's not going to be a repeat of Fort Worth. I know. It's bold. It doesn't get much bolder than that, man. No, it does not. <laughs> it does not, my friend. You want to talk some Super Bowl? I've been waiting three weeks. Let's get after it. Chiefs Niners on Sunday. I can't wait. Any fun plans for this one for you? Uh, I'll be working. Okay. So I'll be at Iowa State. You and I wrestling. Wrestling. That afternoon, I believe that starts at one, maybe noon. One, thank you, Aiden. Man, what a producer! Uh, so yeah, I'll be there, I'll do my work, and then I haven't decided I might go live from a bar up in Ames. It's maybe Ooh. having some sort of watch party at 5 30, and then I'll just be in studio like normal. You at should, night. Dude. but That'd it looks like uh. Caitlin Clark is also going to break the all-time scoring record that day. So it's going to be a huge news day for me at local five outside of just the Super Bowl. But it'll it'll be a good day. That's also early in the afternoon over in Lincoln. But uh, how about you? Any good plans? Yeah, you know, I, I would say so. The beautiful thing about being back in Wisconsin, you can kind of uh, – relive some traditions i don't miss too many super bowls with my brother who you guys have met obviously so gonna get together with him a few friends i think he's got some good food ordered and prepared uh so it should be honestly a really fun day i think as we get into this a little bit further man even outside of the iowa state storylines i just think football wise 
this could be a classic Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really good. First one in Vegas. And I think that this has led to just some ridiculous journalism. Oh, gosh. what has Media Week become? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not like that. And people know this. Oh, boom, boom, boom. Everything has to be perfect, serious all the time with sports journalism. But some of these questions and some of what we have seen this week, I mean, I get part of it is supposed to be lighthearted, openness, funny. But I mean, did you see what somebody asked Brock Purdy? That's where I was going. Hey, I've seen, sir, I've seen on Twitter that uh, people think you look like Lee Harvey Oswald. What do you have to say about that? What type of question is that? That's insane. You saw from our friend of the show, Cyclone Larry, what he kind of shared with that. It was like, I'm not sure if Brock knows who that is. And he might have been right. And I think that that was perfectly handled by Purdy because such a weird question. He's like, uh, I don't think I've heard that one, man. You know, that type of thing. And I think that that was perfect because the question was just, it was random. It was weird. And man, on some levels, like definitely some inappropriateness and weird feelings to that, especially at what's supposed to be just a fun, lighthearted football event. Yeah, it's, it's odd. And I think the root of this, you've probably got a lot of TMZ reporters, a lot of entertainment reporters that they don't know who Chris Jones is, that they're not out there asking about Nick Bolton because they don't know who it is. So I, I get it. But at the same time, maybe instead of two days of all media, maybe let's cut it back to one because I think <laughs> I think two days might have been too much. Oh gosh! But Purdy, you can say whatever you want about him on the field, but the way that he has handled <laughs> the media probably makes coach Matt Campbell even more proud than whatever he does on the field, because he has become a disciple of Campbell's media personality. He, he's so good. He's so respectful and he's really unshaken is the word I would use. And I really, I truly do think it's his faith. He's been so outspoken about that and he is just rock solid. It's, it's honestly exactly what you want in a quarterback. But aside from that, just putting it all together, Purdy on the field, Purdy off the field, how much would a Purdy Super Bowl mean to Iowa State football? In short, I think it would mean a ton. And I'll go into this a little bit more. I think that like any smart school program recruiting department. Iowa State is doing a nice job kind of getting this out there and getting the messaging out there while not being over the top with it by any means. I think that what Brock Purdy 
David Montgomery, Brees Hall, Lazard with the Packers. I think these guys have shown just what can be done and then translated to the league. I think that all of these guys deserve credit. But with that said, it simply doesn't get bigger than the most watched event in the world, most watched single game event. Yep. Everybody's watching, like you mentioned. It's not just football fans. It's not even just sports fans. I think it's pretty cool, uh, kind of how honest and consistent he's been about, like, you know, that that faith talk. And then just it's the most important position in sports. So what would it mean to the football program or just to the school and fan base in general? I don't think you can really overstate it. I think it would mean literally the world if it happened. And I think it's a reason why, I don't know about you, but I have seen a shift since the NFC championship game where now a lot of those people kind of on the fence or even hoping for his downfall a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just in different no, spots I think with you're right. media. Yeah. I, I'm starting to see, is it like, you know, am I going to say it's like a Mahomes against the world type of thing? No. Cause Pat Mahomes, crazy likable guy too but just even i had a family event and was just talking with family super bowl you know what are you going to do for this and even casual fans i think have kind of gotten attached and and are clinging on to this brock purdy underdog type story and i think it just adds to kind of the fun and excitement of this huge game we've got this week jay yeah it would for all the obvious reasons, if your quarterback wins the Super Bowl, that is such a huge recruiting chip. It's something you can hang in that hallway at, at the Sukup football complex. But more so than that, it's just a fan base that really has had no success professional-wise. You Really, the, the history of Iowa State the amount of football success you've had in the pros is next to nothing. Like Northern Iowa has had significantly more success in the NFL before this, this group of Campbell recruits got to the end. And you and I still probably had more success. They had Kurt Warner, but it hasn't been glorious. So if Purdy wins a Super Bowl, that is... That's, I think, easily the greatest accomplishment of any Iowa State athlete ever. And I don't even think it's close. Yeah, I mean, so, I think, yeah, I, I don't know as much about the, the pro accomplishments, but completely agree with you because I think you could say that about nearly any school right. in, the, in America from Iowa State to Bama to Ohio State, anybody. Like, that is the position – that's the event, and it's representing just a short time ago, too, playing for that school. All right, we're going to talk some prop bets presented by our friends at DRF Sportsbook in Iowa. But before that, we got to talk Taylor Swift. Who wants to go first? Unless our, our esteemed producer wants to, I, I will go, and I will just – does Wyatt want to go first? You got it. Can okay. I preface? Okay. I'll let you guys go first, but I want to preface this part of the debate. People that think 
that the cutaways are ridiculous are so stupid. It's a four, four and a half hour broadcast, and she's on screen for an average of 30 seconds. It's it's so tired and annoying to be annoyed about that. <laughs> so Yeah. I but I guess my thing with it has always been just get, never mind, you go. You go. Well, I, I mean, I it sounds like you maybe have a little more to this, a little more passion on this one. Maybe I just wanted to say, you know, when this whole thing started, and I don't remember exactly when that was. I wasn't a big fan of all the chatter. And like you mentioned, it had nothing to do with the cutaways. I mean, they do that to celebrities all the time. But now <laughs> I'm a huge Travis Kelsey fan. That has been the case for a long time. I don't think this is something that is fake by any means. I've been getting into a little bit more of Taylor Swift's older music. Shout out Aiden for that, my guy. And just kind of realizing that, I, like I said, I think they're doing it all for kind of the right reasons. I think this is a real thing. I've kind of fully jumped on this train. And frankly, Jake, I'm enjoying what we are seeing uh, from these two mega stars. And I'm curious to see how it continues into Super Bowl Sunday. I think that Taylor Swift and her fans are good for football. I think getting a whole new demographic, obviously there, there are women and girls all worldwide that love football. But what she's brought is a demographic of so many more that don't to watch football. I think that's good for football. But, but I think Taylor Swift was born on third base as a sports fan. You're telling me in her first year as a Chiefs fan, she gets a Super Bowl. That is bad for sports. That ruins the integrity of it. It's horrible for sports. Go and date David and Njoku for eight years. Go be a Browns fan. See what it's like. Suffer. You don't get to just come out of the womb as a sports fan and get a Super Bowl. It's It can't be sweet. I couldn't enjoy a championship if I just became a Chiefs fan in October. You That's had to pointless. earn that Nuggets championship. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I had to sit through Faku Composo starting in the playoffs. That was horrible. Go, I don't know, man. Go be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. See how it feels. Go date Bogdan Bogdanovich on the Pistons. <laughs> like, it, even I have respect for Brittany Mahomes because she sat through her boyfriend, husband, I don't know what they were at the time. She sat through Mahomes getting his butt kicked in aim 66 to 10. She stuck with him. That's dedication right there. That is perseverance. I think, I mean, if she started dating Kelsey in April, she became a Royals fan for the summer, had to sit through a 65 win season. There's respect. I don't respect a sports fan or a fan base because there's millions and millions and millions of Swifties that have jumped on this Chiefs bandwagon. Let me tell you guys, it's not going to be this easy if you stick with the Chiefs the rest of your life. Once Patrick Mahomes is gone in 15 years, you're going back to the Matt Castle days. You're not getting a Super Bowl. So just just be ready. <laughs> That's Just be ready after those five rings, man. Then it's going to get tough. But that that's my take. I think that... 
it's bad for a sports fan to be born on third base. And it won't be as sweet if you don't know what the suffering tastes like before that. Because trust me, if your biggest moment of suffering as a sports fan is losing to the Raiders on Christmas Day, you are a blessed and privileged individual. That's it. Rant over. I didn't know where you were going to take that. That was uh, that was interesting. That was intriguing. I hear you, and it'll but Taylor, be fun to follow. Taylor's very good for football, and agreed. If you're annoyed at her cutaways, you're an idiot. But with that, please do not let all of them get a ring in their first year. Brock Purdy, please save us. Well, getting into a little bit of on the field stuff. I personally do think Taylor and Travis and Mahomes, I think that they are getting another ring this year. I think so too. I've got the Chiefs in this game. I think it's going to be a classic. I want to give a weird type of score, like a 27-25 type game. This is a game where I would not play the total. Okay. I would not do it. I would advise you, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not a bookie either, but I would advise you to go get the DRF sports book because it is incredible. I got it about a week and a half ago for the first time. It's an awesome interface and there's so many player prop options. You can do like no for touchdown scorers, which I've been asking for that for years, I guess not years, but I've only been able to gamble for about a year and a half. So you can you can do all that. So many options for a same game parlay compared to other interfaces that that I've dealt with. So go ahead and get yourself the DRF Sportsbook in Iowa only and use that on Super Bowl Sunday. So we we both have it out there that we think the Chiefs are going to win. So I've got a few different props this is kind of how I am going to bet the game. I've got a lot invested in it emotionally. I want Purdy and the, and the Niners to win. It would, it would just be amazing. And I, you just heard my passionate rant. I don't want Swift to win. <laughs> uh, so this first parley, it's a three-legger, comes out to plus 750. Okay. And this goes kind of in line with the Chiefs winning. So I've got Mahomes under 25 and a half completions over she Rice touchdown and Brandon Ayuk over 59 and a half yards. The the Rice touchdown, I just think the Niners should be able to do a pretty good job of containing Kelsey. Rice is the next best option he'll score. The Mahomes under completions is just I think it's going to be a similar script to the Ravens game. Chiefs get out in front, maybe 14-0, 14-3. And then they just suck the air out of the ball. Run it a lot. Mahomes doesn't get asked to do too much. They don't want him throwing it 45 times. So that's where that comes from. And then, of course, I think the Niners will be playing from behind. I think they'll do a pretty good job taking Debo and McCaffrey out of the game. So I think Ayuk and Kittle are the two guys that I would touch as far as props go. 
So all that comes out to plus 750. That's kind of how I think the game will go, and you you can see it right there. I've got to be honest. That's one of the best-looking parlays I've ever seen in a single game. Truly, I love that play. <laughs> that's the kiss I, of death right there. <laughs> go ahead and hedge think, it, fellas. I think that all of those, yeah, very well could happen. I'd probably be the most worried about maybe Rasheed Rice touchdown. Yeah, but it's I risky really, anytime you throw a touchdown in, but I feel I good. I really, really like that play. Um, I will, because I started with the Chiefs, I will then end with the Chiefs. So one that I've got with Brock Purdy, again, I think it'll be not crazy high scoring, but both teams will get some scores, really good game. I like him over 1.5 passing touchdowns. All right. When I last checked the book, it was at minus 145. I think that both quarterbacks are going to have, might not be like Mahomes versus Hurts was last year, but really good days. And then I think both quarterbacks might find a little success rushing the ball too. Yeah, I've I've got Purdy over 19 and a half rushing yards. Um, the Niners offense has struggled the whole playoffs and it even though the second half last week looked incredible it wasn't really done in the way that it had been all year long they were still taking away Debo there's and when nothing was there Purdy used his legs I think when you play the Niners you just have to make your call who are we taking out what are we giving them and I would imagine that Purdy's legs will be another option. And I know I know rushing yards are risky for a quarterback when you include sacks, but Purdy's pretty good about evading pressure. I like over 19 and a half rushing yards at plus 175. I love that play too. <laughs> I promise I'm not trying to jinx you. I just I think these are really well thought out, you know, similar uh to what I would play. That's a play that I would take as well and actually might do it. Um, because again, I, I think you hit on the offense well. At times, if he needs to get out of the pocket, he obviously can. And I think Mahomes hits his too. Uh, for this book, I, I saw it at around 21 and a half, 22. I've seen it at other books up to 23 and a half, but focusing on DRF sports book, minus 120. I like Mahomes over. And then for a fun one, I mean, you got to have kind of a, a weird one for the Super Bowl. Everybody talks about National Anthem, Gatorade, coin toss. Jason Kelsey shirtless in the box, yes or no? I said that it was going to be a no because I, I don't no. think he wants to take away from Travis. This is now the Super Bowl. That's my play. He's not in Buffalo anymore. I know, <laughs> I know Vegas is a different animal, but did I guess did you see last night? Uh, he's at a casino in Vegas. They're playing blackjack. There's a bunch of barstool guys and like Burt Kirshner. He had a bottle of vodka like this size, just sitting right in front of him. Oh my god! Just not like oh yeah, give me a vodka tonic on ice. <laughs> just a whole bottle of vodka. So That's right. <laughs> Jason Kelsey might not be sober until after the game from now on. 
My my last bet, my last prop bet. This is sort of a hedge because I do think the Chiefs are going to win. But I think if the Niners win, a way to get juice is not taking them straight up. Okay, It's to bet Christian McCaffrey to be the MVP. And hear me out. I think, I mean, the, the, the Chiefs defense has been so good against the run. They held Baltimore, who's the top rushing team in the NFL, to almost nothing. I think a lot of people are expecting maybe McCaffrey to struggle. If he goes out Niners win, he scores two touchdowns. We already all think that he's the most valuable Niner anyways. And I think a lot of people in the media feel the same way. That's who's voting on this. Mm-hmm. I think there's really good value at getting Christian McCaffrey at plus 450 to win Super Bowl MVP. If you think the Niners are going to win. Phenomenal play. I I personally, I understand that the player I'm going to mention is not of Chris Christian McCaffrey's stature, but I want, think of... Say that again? Juan Jennings, MVP. But no, no. I, I think of... I think of like a... Damian Williams for the Chiefs a couple years right. ago. James White in the Brady years. All this pretty story behind it right now. I personally think that McCaffrey's got to go for like 150, 160, and yeah, two or three scores to get up there. I mean, we know it's a quarterback award, but I love the play. The value there is incredible. Um, and obviously, it's very likely it'll come down to McCaffrey or Purdy if the Niners win. I'm not touching a Mahomes Super Bowl MVP, but I'm being honest on the show, which I always am. I do think he wins it. I think Purdy plays well. <laughs> McCaffrey plays well, but I just see the Chiefs winning. There's it. no value on the Mahomes MVP. <laughs> it's what is that right now? I, I looked last night. I want to say it was like plus 150. The Chiefs oh, okay. money line is probably like what 125. Just yeah, at that point, yeah. just take the Chiefs and. Because there's a world where Chris Jones gets two and a half sacks, wins MVP. So I, I would, or Kelsey, would, quite honestly, yeah, or Kelsey. I would not, yeah. I would not touch that Mahomes Super Bowl MVP. Aiden, you got any prop bet score predictions, Taylor arguments before we head out of here? Taylor for Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Plus eight fifty, I think I saw on that. It's free money. Let her go be a Calgary fan, Flames fan for a year first. See, she's she is not new to football. Her fans might be, but she is not. She was a Aiden, Philly fan for a long time. Legit pick on on who wins though. Uh, See, the game, the game. Yeah, it's it's tough to pick against Mahomes, but I'm going to do it anyway. Give me okay. the Niners. I love it. I love it, Aiden. I, th- I think they're picking defense. against your girl. It's weird. Yeah, I know. It's weird for a defense to get a get right game as their Super Bowl, but it feels like they're kind of due. So yeah, they are due. Games. Okay. They are due. I love it. Just a vibes pick. Great got, show today, man. I got too much. I got too much in my brain picking the game. Got to go with the heart sometimes. That being said, I'll be I'll be I'll be a Purdy Niner fan on on Sunday night. All right. Good show. That was fun. We're going to be back next week. We're going to be recapping a Super Bowl. 
And I'll be honest, I don't even remember if Iowa State plays Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Oh, they play Tuesday against Cincinnati. So we'll be we'll be recapping that game. And maybe, maybe we'll be looking live at a 49ers Super Bowl parade. Thanks for joining us here on Firmly Entrenched. Thanks to Heartland Flags and Gifts, Steeple Ridge Bourbon, and DRF Sportsbook. We've been in the Channel Seed Studios. We'll see you next week. Iowa everywhere.